New York football giants action on the field. We're breaking it down. Training camp next. Yes, sir. It is OGP, the one giant podcast where, of course, we are your host over here, Adam Armbrecht. Also breaking down the Brooklyn Nets on the Locked On Nets podcast with my boy, Doug Norrie. And yonder there, the seasoned generational ticket holder, the healthy, wealthy, and wise mommy, daddy, duty for two, Mr. Andrew Mackowitz. How are we, sir? I'm doing great. The Giants are back in full swing. We have players catching passes, running drills, back in camp. I am all for it right now, Adam. You better believe it, man. Uh, this is what we've been waiting for, as everyone said. Right, last couple of weeks, say, oh, football's in the air. No, football is now in your nostrils. This is now inside your veins. You can feel it because full pads, you're getting a sense of this. We're starting to see footage come out from practices, getting a sense of where offensive and defensive schemes are, maybe getting a couple of ideas of where certain players stack up, not only from a you know, ones or twos, but also from a depth perspective, a role perspective, something that I think uh, on both sides of the ball, we were kind of we we've been thinking on it, we've been wondering on it, pondering about it, and now we're actually getting some real takeaways. So we're gonna do this in two easy parts: offensive side of the ball, defensive side of the ball. There's some pup list stuff to cover here as well. Some drips and drabs from Brian Dable and Joe Shane also came out as they were getting underway at training camp today. So we'll break it all down first, Andy. Starting over on the offensive side of the ball, hit us with the pup list, um, which really. <laughs> Listen, it's not all perfect, but coming from some of the past experiences, it's like you would have assumed if a guy's on the pup list, then he probably starts this season not being able to contribute. Instead, we get mostly positive from camp. Yeah, that's the way it used to be with the with the pup list, where people went on it. You expected anyone that joined it to miss a minimum of two or three games this year. If you're on it week one, it goes to four games. Yeah. Luckily for us, um, it was announced last week that Daniel Bellinger was put on the pup list kind of out of nowhere, and everyone was a little surprised. We were a little worried. Then you hear Eric Ebron's coming in for a visit, former <laughs> tight end of the Steelers. Everyone's putting two and two together. Is this a catastrophic injury? And the good news is, First day out there, no pads, Adam, helmets on. Daniel Bellinger is running with the ones in practice. So not only did we get Daniel Bellinger off the pup list, but as we've been talking about what we wanted to see, he's running with the ones already. He is going to have every opportunity to start week one against the Titans. Yeah, a little over. I, I'm getting myself a little over, over my skis here. A helmet goes on, and I'm just calling it pads. It's all good. We're full go, right? There's, 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 I can't, I can't hold back. You're like, it's a regular season game. It's like, no, no, <laughs> they just got out of the building. They ate lunch. They're doing a walkthrough. But you're like, no, but they're all out there. I see them gonna, with helmets on. Like, we're going to break down the win or the loss. What does it mean for the playoff picture? All that good stuff. No, um, yeah, listen, it's like a double dose, right? Not only does Bellinger come off the pup list, which is a really good sign, just in the short term, and feeling like he's going to be healthy and out there to learn the system and develop that uh that that relationship with Daniel Jones and just inside of Mike Kafka or Brian Dable the the merging of their two offensive schemes and then the fact that he's out there with the ones I, I think we start to get this sense very early on even in rookie mini camps and just the hype that was coming out of the building uh, from the Giants on Daniel Bellinger very very good sign um that he is now running with the ones I think we can kind of get maybe you know tentatively bullish on the idea that yeah this this could almost be his job to lose and I will say with the caveat that I think from an offensive perspective 
you can be number one or number two on the depth chart and it need not determine what your role is or how many reps you're going to see on a week-to-week basis. That's kind of the beauty of the Mike Kafka system and Brian Dable system, right? It's about opportunistic players that step up when the ball comes their way. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And when you talk about opportunities, Adam, we'll move over to the offensive line. Just, mm-hmm. I think it's noteworthy to say who's running with the ones. You know, from left to right, you have Andrew Thomas, you have Shane Lemieux, you've got Feliciano, you've got Glowinski, and you have Evan Neal. So those are the five that are sitting across there. A lot of people were curious about the left guard position. That one seems to be the one, if anything, that has a little bit of a question mark around it. Sure. Um, but but it looks like Shane Lemieux is going to get every opportunity to start week one. Um, well, I mean, not a surprise to you, right? No, no. And I, I think maybe you, know, you could say, um, you know, Feliciano, I think is going to be the guy to watch here as he's obviously getting the first opportunity full time to play at center. So we want to see him look like he, he's looking the part. Um, they're not going to have a lot of other strong options or candidates behind that. So you just want to see him looking successful. And to your point, you know, it makes sense. We're, we're very high. I know I was high coming out of the draft and we're, we're kind of building towards Azudu being this diamond in the rough candidate for the New York giants, but also the pressure you don't want to put on a rookie player is let's throw him in right day one helmet pads, no pads, whatever, and say, you're going to be expected to hold this down. I think you like the idea of saying Shane Lemieux, if you show that you're capable, we're more than happy to have have you as our starting left guard going into the season and let Azudu kind of slowly come along and build the case that, hey, whether it's this year, during the season, or next year, I can be a starting offensive lineman of the future for the Giants. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think we're, we're going to learn more about Azudu as, as camp goes on. He obviously yeah. filled in for Andrew Thomas during some of the mandatory mini camps at left tackle. That brought up a whole host of questions of whether or not they see him as a potential swing tackle uh, moving forward. Can I, can I put yeah. you before we um before because I think we'll go into the offensive weapons here. I think in a second, but do you think this is just this is just a fun one? Do you think that there's a world where Shane Lemieux is playing at left guard right now, but in the grand scheme of things, from his build and his demeanor, like could he maybe be a long term center candidate if Azudu starts to develop and look like he can plug in at, at a guard role here? I know this is. It need not be something we dwell on, but I just all of a sudden had that little look of, oh yeah, little bulldog Shane Lemieux there over center long-term after Feliciano moves on. Well, it's, it's a, it's, it's threefold Adam because Uh one is potentially it it could work because it frees up the left guard spot for Azudu to be able to play right now. I think they'd like the flexibility that Mm -hmm. Azudu brings across all different positions on the offensive line. So I'm not sure if they have him locked into a position yet, which is great. The other thing is we don't know how long Feliciano is going to be here for. We don't know how well he's going to contribute. They obviously paid him a bunch of money to come in and be the starting center week one. And then the last piece of it is Nick Gates. Nick Gates is on the pup list. There are a lot of people that are already saying that Nick Gates is working as hard as humanly possible to get back out there and contribute to the Giants this year, which I didn't even think was going to be possible. But when you factor all of those things in with Feliciano and Gates, you may not even need Shane Lemieux to be able Mm -hmm. to slide over and play center because the Giants are finally maybe having some different options across the offensive line as opposed to desperation, which is what it's been the last couple of years. And we've talked so much about it. We'll see how it unfolds as training camp moves along, as the offseason moves along, as players become available. Where does Nick Gates fit into the into that timeline of things? And can the excuse me, the Giants, the Nets, why not? Can the Giants afford to hold on to him? But remember, prior to the injury, it's like we we loved him and hit, you know, it seemed like he got lost in the tackle shuffle. And then at least he was able to reemerge in a new position. He unfortunately goes down with that injury. I think if you're if you're a smart organization, as we hope the Giants now are under Joe Shane, you could look at it and say, hey, if we can manage to carry him on the roster, 
and maybe he just shows something in the background. Well, that's that's competition next year, right? At any point at that center position and just having a healthy, well-balanced offensive line. So I think it'll be interesting to see what comes out uh, around him as the as the offseason unfolds. Guys that aren't on the pup list, there's, there's some that are and that aren't. But one guy that wasn't on the pup list was Kadarius Tony, And it was reported by Jordan Renan and others when Brian Dable was asked about it. What are the plans for Kadarius Tony? It says he's going to go out there, he's going to practice. And then we'll make adjustments off of that. Obviously had the offseason knee surgery. So they're going to monitor him, I think, and, and maybe you know curtail some things as they see fit. But already we're getting some opportunities to get re-excited and re-engaged on a player that for all the speculation, that little trade rumor that popped up this offseason, everyone organizationally is talking about him very positively and what he can be for this team. Yeah, and, and you saw it in some of the 11-on-11 drills. You see uh, videos that are coming out of camp already from guys like Art Stapleton, Jordan Renan, our friends over at Talking Giants are, are there putting out some videos just saying, hey, like we're watching yeah. and we're seeing what happens. And Kadarius Tony made an acrobatic, crazy catch over Aaron Robinson in the end zone for a touchdown, whatever you want to call it, during 11 on 11, but it just keep every time you see him on the field, it just reminds you of how good he really can be. And it's not about his performance when he is available. It is whether or not he will be available. That is always the challenge with the kid areas, Tony, but it's good to see right out of the gate, the lingering injuries or some of those question marks are put to bed right away. He's getting the ball. He's getting it early and often from Jones and he's being the freak athlete that we know he is. Um, yeah, and not only that, so it's a very positive sign. And I guess now what we want to see is that nothing, you don't hear anything in terms of setbacks or reducing his workload, and he continues to build up, right, as he gets himself healthy and on the field. Then let's go big picture on the offensive side. We talk about this wide receiver group because, um, obviously, Sterling Shepard, he's there. He's doing things, but he's not going to be someone that's getting out there and running drills at this point. We'll wait and see on him. He's another one of those veteran players that, want to see stick around but we also understand that there's a numbers game that's happening here as well but who are the starters in the wide receiving core what was the hierarchy and feel free to take a sweet beautiful pause when you get to my boy second round pick well so it, it is interesting to see how they line up coming out usually you you would think that they would defer to veterans like they did with Shane Lemieux at the left guard position on the offensive line and they did mm -hmm. that with Kenny Galladay being out there and Kadarius Tony last year's first round pick being out there and then they ended up having Wandale Robinson as the third wide receiver that was out there. And it may be a surprise. It may not be considering the Giants went up and got him, but they clearly like him so much that they're saying he has to get on the field. And Adam, this is something that we talked about a little bit, you know, in, in terms of what to expect coming out of camp. We thought Sterling Shepard was going to be on the pup list. He is. So we don't, we don't have to answer that question yet, mm -hmm. but we said there's a world where Wandale Robinson plays in the slot and Kadarius Tony actually takes Darius Slayton's spot on the outside, which is where Kadarius Tony ended up catching the touchdown early on in training camp. So, I mean, slight victory lap, but you must be excited to see this formation and this setup early on. I absolutely love it. And it's one of those things that when we talk about Kadarius Tony, and I think based on the way the team was constructed and he was a rookie, we can't even really fathom health or otherwise last year, what was going on and whether or not some of the expectations were justified right wrong and different based on that coaching staff and what they were doing or not doing successfully on the offensive side of the ball but the one thing that I think uh, I'll, I'll acknowledge from last year to this year was like I had to remind myself Kadarius Tony is not 
five foot seven or five foot eight like Wandell Robinson, right? He's five ten, five eleven. Like he is capable with that type of athleticism. Like this is the big difference on the when you play on the outside. Yeah, you want to be a bigger receiver, but as we know, the pro, the progression of the NFL, it's about being versatile in offensive schemes. It's about being just a pure athlete. That's what I think you're you're going to start to see here over campus. Kadarius Tony is such a freak athlete that okay, you're at the right height combined with your athleticism, that makes you a weapon no matter where you line up. And now all of a sudden, if we think that Wandell Robinson is this slot out of the backfield, I'm 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 saying gadget play, but I don't mean it like oh that's what his role can best be you know utilized as. You really balance this offense in a much different way. And if Kenny Galladay can produce any level of consistency. That's what you want. If everybody's healthy, now you look across each key position in this wide receiving core and you go, oh, okay. Yeah, this is a really dangerous unit that they're going to have for Daniel Jones. And yes, I will take the victory lap because I do believe in Wandell Robinson and understanding that Shepard is hurt right now. I just, Wandell Robinson, just like Daniel Bellinger, is being set up to earn himself a starting role on this roster. It's there in front of him over camp. So the big news for me when I saw this right away is I immediately went, whoa, where's Darius Slayton? Right. Like that was the first thing that came to my mind. You you obviously highlighted the positive side of it, which is Wandell Robinson getting reps. Exciting to see him out there for the Giants. I kind of focus in in on the what about this person in terms of Darius Slayton? Because, Adam, the more you start to think about it, it the more it really does feel like Darius Slayton isn't going to be on this roster. And it's not because of his skill set. It's because when you think about who the three are, the Giants are telling you that Galladay, Tony and Robinson are going to be the three. If if they're if they're all available, are going to be out there playing. Then you have Sterling Shepard coming off the pup list at some point. He was he was jogging around. He's working with trainers. You, you saw some videos of him coming out making cuts. Already looking pretty athletic. Like I'm expecting him to come back and contribute a little bit this season. So you're already at four wide receivers before you've even mentioned Darius Slayton. And then you go into guys like Richie James, who works on special teams as a punt returner, has versatility for the Giants. All of a sudden, Darius Slayton is the sixth wide receiver, maybe battling it out with CJ Board and David Sills and others for that last wide receiver spot. I, I mean, is, am I am I being over sensationalizing? You know where Darius Slayton is just on this one practice, <laughs> right on, on this one practice that I saw today. But well, here's here's what I'll say. I think that guys like CJ Board, guys like Richie James, um, guys like Kemp who were brought in, any of these players that either maybe have special teams value, as we know with Richie James and with CJ Board, or guys like Colin Johnson, anyone you want to dream on, right? When you look at the entire pool, here, here's what I'll push back just for momentarily. If, if something comes up and they need the money, obviously that's a part of it. It makes total sense that a fifth round pick from a previous regime is behind a first round pick from a previous dream, but a first round talent and also a second round pick that your new GM and coaching staff went and got in the draft. That makes all the sense. And we know the pedigree of Kenny Galladay is healthy. The reason why I push back a little bit, I'll say is because I think Darius Slayton, like go back to last year. We're always, we're always uh, categorizing this by saying, well, it was always Kenny Galladay on one side on the outside and Darius Slayton was supposed to be on the outside on the other. And then it was, well, Kadarius Tony is the slot guy. And then, well, Sterling Shepard, that's a double up of a slot guy. And th the entire construction of the roster just fell out of whack in a lot of ways. Then all the injuries come in and you don't get a real clear picture of the hierarchy. I think right now is what you'd be saying is Darius Slayton is behind Kenny Galladay on the depth chart. He also can be behind Kadarius Tony. I think that on a like-for-like skill set, you might look at 
I'm saying just from a profile of the player, a guy like CJ board or like Richie James as maybe fitting into the offensive scheme. If Kadarius Tony comes off for a rep as opposed to Darius Slayton, but I can look over at Kenny Galladay and say, Oh, if he comes off for a rep, Darius Slayton might be that first guy up in line to have the like for like replacement. It doesn't mean to your point that Darius Slayton can't be on this roster, very possible, or that he won't tumble down this depth chart. I think the hierarchy makes sense to me to start. Now it's about where is he when you talk about second team reps and does he start to emerge and get some reps with the first team as camp moves along. But here's the thing, Adam, that's where it gets dicey for Darius Slayton, because when you're talking about him being the backup to Kenny Galladay, yes, he's an insurance policy in case he goes down, but he's an expensive one that the Giants can save a bunch of money to be able to release. When you think about Richie James, you think about Robert Foster, you you think about CJ Board. None of them really have any guaranteed money. I think I think Richie James has about 100K of his salary guaranteed. CJ Borden Foster have $0. Darius Slayton only has $50,000 of his $2.58 million salary guaranteed. So the Giants, you, you start to say, well, if it's 80 to 90 cents on the dollar with CJ Board being able to play special teams or Darius Slayton and $2.5 million on this side, it becomes more challenging for him to make the final roster because of that big number. That's what it comes down to. Again, what is the separation? This is for Darius Slayton to prove or not prove, right? What is your separation as, okay, here's our top three wide receivers, and then here's everybody else. If it's top three wide receivers, Darius Slayton on the second tier, and then a third tier is everybody else, then Darius Slayton sticks around at 2.5 million. It's worth it. If any of these other guys, and I think, you know, we talked about CJ board a lot last year when he had some opportunities, all of a sudden you go, Hey, this guy's got a little something to him when it comes to getting into offensive reps. If any of those guys, to your point, 85, 90 cents on the dollar, that's when the Giants can pull that trigger. So I think he's very much on the bubble. But if we're talking about off of one practice, I'm going to see how it unfolds. And then every time you hear about anyone else outside of that top group, not named Darius Slayton, getting mentioned in offensive reps, your ears are going to perk up and you're going to start to say, so what does it look like if a team comes knocking or what does it look like to only take that $50,000 dead cap and clear that money off as names start to fall? I think um, we're ready for the defense side of the ball, but you can go ahead. You got to look close out. Go ahead. Oh, no, we are not. And the reason why, Adam, we're not ready for the defensive side is because this is majority going to be all offensive conversations that we're having because the defense isn't wearing pads. It's kind of a walkthrough. There are important notes on the defensive side of the yep. ball, but there is far more to talk about on the offensive side. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to bury the lead. There's t- two player notes and then one larger broad note that I had. One, they had Saquon Barkley operating out of the backfield, running wheel routes, being in the pass catching game, mm. as opposed to just running it straight up the gut. It's beautiful to see. He caught a, oh, a, yes. a ridiculous one-handed grab, and, and it makes you think, like, maybe we can get the ball to him in, in space as opposed to running into 400 pound linemen. Like that might be the best way to utilize him, which I'm excited about. And the second piece was in the red zone, there was a, a uh, designed Daniel Jones run up the gut for a touchdown on some of the 11 on 11 showing that they want to use his athleticism and his athletic ability. Just on, on those two things. Did you have any thoughts, you know, hearing both of those things got to be positive signs, right? Yeah, I think you want to look at Saquon Barkley as a weapon, right? Let, let, let's remove, uh, he is a, he's a running back, but let's remove the label. Let's just call him a weapon, right? Where can we maximize his value and where can we mitigate some of the wear and tear that he's going to see during the season? And it's not to say you're not going to see Saquon Barkley busting up the gut on, on a short yarded situation. But if you're talking about the, the Mike Kafka, Brian Dable influence on this offense, and then go and go back to, you know, to Saquon Barkley's rookie season. 
when the dude is catching 90 balls, like, what are we talking about? Like you, you, it should only have gotten better from there. Right. And injuries have derailed some things. We all know that if he is ready and in shape and showcasing, as we've seen over the course of his career. And I go back to the one that I think we always remember is the OBJ touchdown pass to Saquon Barkley, where it was just like the dream of a dream, right? Our two top talents connecting on, on a gadget play, something the Giants fans haven't seen a lot of, but we'll probably see more of going forward. That's important for Saquon Barkley. We want to see more of that going forward. The Daniel Jones piece I find really interesting because we're going to get into kind of a global perspective as the offseason moves along around the offensive scheme. I think that that to me feels like the Brian Dable, Josh Allen influence where it's like, hey, guess what? When we need it, Daniel, you need to be able to do it, right? And if the, the play is there and the offensive line is doing its job, then Daniel Jones needs to be showcasing over the course of this offseason. I can protect that football. I can get into the right lane. And he's not bulky like Josh Allen, but he sure is a big body, right? So can he get in there? Can he use his legs? Can he use his strength to punch in a couple of those quick touchdowns? That just opens up more opportunities when we're highlighting all the weapons they have offensively. As, as you mentioned, same thing with Saquon Barkley. We don't want him doing it every time, but having that ability to do it once every now and then, that threat alone for the defense will give them fits. And you talked about how that felt like it was part of uh, Brian Dable's influence o- over the offense. But really, the one last thing I wanted to say on the offensive side of the ball is you saw a ridiculous amount of pre-snap motion from the Giants yes. when they were out there moving all around. And that really felt like it was Mike Kafka's influence from Andy Reid because Andy Reid has the most pre-snap movement of any head coach in the, in the entire NFL. And it's, it makes sense. Like get people on the move, get, get them creative. Like think about different ways that you can utilize people. It's nice to see Dayball's influence. It's nice to see Kafka's influence. And you start to feel excited about what could be for this offense. And let's remember too, and we'll tie this back into the wide receiving room. We, we know that Matt Breida is there in camp as well. He has the versatility as a pass catcher. We highlighted that sweet Madden speed rating. But th- this also does tie into a Richie James to a CJ board to a Darius Slayton versatility. Because when we're talking about pre-snap motion and shuffling the deck and moving players around, well, Wandell Robinson, we think, as a rookie, is going to have some of that versatility. We know Kadarius Tony essentially can line up anywhere on the offensive scheme and be effective. And even Kenny Galladay, we always, we always know he's a big-bodied outside receiver, but he also does effective work out of the slot. So that's versatility, right? Scheme versatility is what Mike Kafka is going to want. And if you are a Darius Slayton and you feel like you are this one-trick pony, like that can hurt you even if you're really good at that. It's going to be harder to hold your spot if you feel like some other guys can maybe move around a little bit and do some different things for you. So all things that we'll keep an eye on, all positive because it's a start training camp. So everything is positive. Everything feels great. As we talk about the Giants training camp, one thing um, I'm going to give you just the, the one note from Joe Shane coming in um, as a turnover to the defensive side of the ball is he basically skirted the question around Daniel Jones when they were like, hey, like how important is this year for Daniel Jones? He's like, yeah, just go out, you know, see what happens, whatever. I think we all... We're going to watch and see how the offense looks and how Daniel Jones looks, how Brian Dable looks like, you know, this is Brian Dable's first head coaching job ever in his career. So all these things are going to be wait and see. I'm almost just saying that one soundbite to say, I'm not going to put a ton of stock in what and how things are discussed around expectations, because this year I think is going to be a week-to-week, game-to-game evaluation of what this team is, where players are, and what expectations are. Quite frankly, I don't care about next year. We're now ready to lock in just on this season upcoming. Defensively, then, Andy. 
I know you're so excited to go to the defensive side of the ball. It's really where your passion is, I think. And and go, when we turn over to the defensive side of the ball, as you mentioned, no pads. This is kind of like a walkthrough. It's for the offense to get get together. But it also is for Wink to kind of see what his complement of players looks like. Um, uh, we talked about the pup list before. Aziz Ojolari, not out there. But, you know, doesn't seem to be too big of a concern just yet. Obviously, you don't want to see it. We saw Daniel Bellinger come off very quickly. We hope the same thing for Aziz Ojolari. But I think what was noteworthy, Adam, was who ended up taking Aziz Ojolari's spot in Wink Martindale's system, getting the getting the first team reps. And who would that be, my friend? That is Jihad Ward, my friends, who we just talked about in terms of the depth chart and where he may stack up as being maybe he'll be starting on the defensive front with Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence. The, it's in, here's what I say is interesting. I wonder if, because I just and this is in a real time thought. Okay, on the one end you go, well, shoot. Where is this guy going to play? And obviously, you know, versatility with Wink Martindale. But because he has familiarity as well with the defensive system, I wonder if it is also a matter of, well, this guy can go ahead and be showing you what the expectations are at this role, right? Been here, done that, so I can give you a look and maybe not put the pressure on another player to step in, whether it's an Oshane Eximenez or otherwise, or some of the rookies, right? We talked about where is Bellinger going to show up. Quincy Roche is obviously out there in the mix. This way you kind of get the, the footprint. So I don't I don't read too much into this short of saying it's nice to know that that Ward obviously has versatility if it's going to be called upon. Disappointing to see Aziz, as you said, pop up there. Hopefully it's a quick turnaround for him. Yeah, and, and we know that when healthy, Aziz Ojolari will have that starting spot. I mean, oh, of course. yeah, yeah, that's not yeah. basically 10, 10 sacks last year. He, I mean, he's he's an absolute monster. You know, it's good to see some other people get reps. I think what what the other pieces that were noteworthy were in terms of the first team reps getting out there. Aaron Robinson was out there at cornerback and at safety. Our friend Julian Love was there at, at you know sitting alongside Xavier McKinney. This seems to make sense though when you're talking about day one on who you put out there, right? Here's so here's here's an interesting thing. Both these players we want to touch on. Um, Aaron Robinson, that's the expectation. I, I think that he is the player that the Giants organizationally are like go out there and show that you are the guy. Let us not have to even question it. You can be a sound, you know, compliment, obviously, to a Dory Jackson. That's the dream. If things start to go off the rails, then they'll have to make decisions around who's available on the market, et cetera. When it comes to safety, I think, first off, you're right. We talked about this yesterday. They brought in Adams. We're looking to see what Yusuf Corker does over the course of camp. And then, obviously, the jewel of our podcast eye in Dane Belton. But Julian Love is experienced, right? He has NFL experience, so it makes sense to have him out there. The one thing I'll say is a lot of the reports, and, and this this could be egg on our face, we'll wait and see. It seems like some people are a bit higher on what Julian Love is than maybe we were coming into this offseason. And, and dial it back to when he was drafted. I, I loved him, no pun intended, coming out. I really did. I thought that he could be a weapon. And then season by season, it just felt like he kept getting pushed around to different roles to try to find out if he could have value. He's managed to stick around, at least in the short term. It looks like he is a value component. He's even being mentioned as a potential team leader going into the season. So I, I, we have to probably, as a podcast, recalibrate the way we were looking at Julian Love. Yeah, I, I, I think that's probably right, Adam, because I think the challenge for us was last year with both Logan Ryan and Jabril Peppers and Xavier McKinney. It kind of pushed Julian Love down to be kind of the jack of all trades. Now he's getting the full opportunity to play alongside Xavier McKinney yep. and be a starting safety. You talk about the leadership that he has. He, you know, he seems to be a great guy and everyone likes him. So yes, I think we we probably will will have to dial it back a little bit on our desire to have Dane Belton out there starting. 
But I do think that there's a world where both can be true, where Julian Love is mm-hmm. out there for the first snaps and, and Dane Belton is still coming in and making an impact at the safety position, in, you know, as soon as week one or week two. And one thing we talked about with Julian Love, I remember when he was drafted, um, what was his football IQ? And there obviously can be value in that in a new system, Wink Martindale. If you just show, hey, I know what my role is supposed to be. I know where I need to be. Again, more versatility because right now that secondary depth overall has at least a lot of curiosities, a lot of question marks, especially when we get into the slot package, the nickel package, right? If we need to go 5 DB wide against, the, against an offensive scheme, hey, who do you want to have out there on the field? The last thing that I think we can touch on here, I was just curious for you. Um, is Blake Martinez not on the pup list out there playing? Um, he's in the final year though of his contract. And I, I, are we at 28 years old this season? It'll be 29 next year. Do you think that over the course of this camp and over the course of the season, like can Blake Martinez still be a part of what the Giants want to do going forward? Because I, that factors into me a little bit about what I want to see over the course of camp, right? I kind of want to hear that some of the younger guys are pushing Blake Martinez and that he's starting to give some reps here and there. And maybe some guys look a little bit quicker, a little more athletic. It's not a knock on Blake. Like I liked him when we got him from green Bay, but it's like right at that precipice of what do you want for Blake to have a really good year and then be walking into free agency. And we're not going to be willing to resign him or get some young guys, defensive reps. Which way do you lean on that in terms of the value for the giants in the short and long term? I think it's all dependent on how the team fares, the overall team success. If the Giants are winning games and Blake Martinez is out there, you have to keep him out there and you have to keep performing. If the Giants are, you know, a game out of the playoffs and we're talking past Thanksgiving, you got to keep Blake Martinez out there because this team has the opportunity to win. If the Giants are four and seven and they're not looking like they're going anywhere and we have won the trade deadline and two, you're kind of, what are you playing for at the end of the season? It's to develop guys like Michael McFadden, Darian Beavers, et cetera, et cetera, Mm -hmm. to get on the field. So for me, Adam, I think it's more, how is the team faring? If there, if there's team success, keep Blake out there. If not, then it's probably in everyone's best interest to start thinking about turning the page. Funny to, to, to even, we never really talk about him at the trade deadline. Like, cause you always wonder about the injuries. If he's healthy all off season and go to the regular season, to your point, depending on where the record stands and how the young talent is developing, Blake Martinez could be a very interesting deadline conversation that the Giants get to have where teams could be willing to give something up to be able to plug in a veteran experienced tackling machine linebacker uh, into their defensive scheme for a playoff run. Other than that, any other any other notes that you want to get out there before we wrap it up? We're obviously going to cover it all week long, um, what we get these news and notes out of from camp, and hopefully continue to hear about even some more of these young players making some big plays. The only other thing I was going to say is uh... – Nichols uh, cornerback Darnay Holmes was out there. I think that's just noteworthy that uh, Cordell Flott was not the first one, you know, out there with, with the ones. So it's just good, good to know, take these mental notes, what, what it is at the beginning of camp and see if some of these younger guys like Flott, like Belton and others are pushing for a starting role or, you know, significant action in some of these upcoming preseason games. Yeah, at the end of the day, Cordell Flott is probably the most intriguing defensive player because we were hearing, could he be on the outside? Could he play in the slot, the nickel? Like, where is his best value? And we know he has to bulk up a little bit. He feels like a guy that from a skill set standpoint, from a talent standpoint, you could you want him to be a starter. You want to have a big role. It may just be, can he physically get up to the point where you feel confident enough about it and sticking someone like Darnay Holmes ahead of him to say, hey, go beat him, and then we'll take the next step from there. That's fantastic, and we'll see how he looks over camp. I think you think it'd be great for him to overtake a Darnay Holmes. You probably don't think it's great. I, I don't know. If he overtakes Aaron Robinson, I, I'm just I'm, I'm a little bit in the weeds because 
where's the depth? Where's the value, right? What are we doing going into the season? So that's certainly a fascinating one to watch. As we say, friends, you can get us over on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. We said over 1,400 subscribers. We really made a big push this offseason. We really genuinely appreciate all the support that we've gotten over there. You get us on the podcast feed. We'll get those needs fulfilled. We'll be back again, breaking down all the news and notes from training camp. And as Andy Mackwitz would want, need, and nay, demand the people know. As always, let's go Big Blue.